that burden would roll down that hill. I, and I thought it was the heart that was rolling down the hill. But I always remember thinking that was the picture that was in my mind when they were singing that song. I didn't know better back then. I know better now that all of the burdens that we have because of our sins have been rolled away because of what Jesus has done on that cross. Amen? I mean, we have your Bible. Go ahead. We're going to go jump right into it tonight. We've got a baptism here a little bit later, and I hope that this passage tonight will do what I hope it does, and that's to bring you joy. John chapter 16, verse 16 is where we're going to start tonight. So it says in the Scriptures, a little while, and you will see me no longer, and again, a little while, and you will see me. For some of his disciples said to one another, what? Is this that he says to us, a little while, and we will not see you will not see me, and again a little while you will see me, and because I am going to the Father. So they were saying this. What does this mean? A little while. Uh, we don't know what he is talking about. And Jesus knew that they wanted to ask him, so he said to them, "This is what you are asking yourselves. What I meant by saying a little while, and." you will not see me. And again, a little while, and you will see me. Truly, truly, Jesus says, I say to you, you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. You will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn into joy. When a woman is giving birth, she has Sorrow because her hour has come. But when she has delivered the baby, she no longer remembers the anguish for the joy that a human being has been born into the world. So, also, you have sorrow now, but I will see you again, and your hearts will rejoice. And no one will take your joy from you. Amen. In that day... You will ask nothing of me, and truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in the name, in, in my name, he will give to you. Until now, you have asked me nothing in, in my name. Ask, and you will receive, that your joy may be full. Father God, we just thank you for your word tonight, and just use me once again to just bring and deliver what you have for us tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. So what brings you joy? What brings you joy tonight? What brings you joy today? What brought you joy today? I know some of you are going to say the sunshine brought me some joy today. Amen. Boy, it was beautiful outside. I was, I was singing that song earlier, zippity-doo-dah, zippity-ay, because it was just a wonderful day, was it not? Amen. That brought me a little bit of joy. What about you? What brings you joy? What brings you true joy? Well, to know what brings us true joy, we need to know what joy is. And if you want to know what the world says joy is, you can just go to the Webster's Dictionary because they, they specifically define it as a very glad feeling. They define it as happiness or great pleasure, delight. It's also referred to a, a course or cause of delight. Now, some synonyms that the Webster's Dictionary apply for joy are amusement and bliss and charm and cheer and comfort, delight, elation, ecstasy, glee, humor, pride, pleasure, satisfaction, and wonder. Now, these definitions only define the expressions of the, this wonderful emotion that we have. They fail to consider the cause of joy. 
They fail to consider the circumstances in which it's expressed. And they fail to talk about its longevity. Here are just a few verses that I picked out. There's many verses in Scripture. You can go to the Psalms and see many of them. But here's just a few that I picked out that talk about the word joy. Psalms 126.5 says, Those who sorrow with tears will reap with songs of joy. Proverbs 10.1 says, A wise son brings joy to his father, but a foolish son brings grief to his mother. Bless, we've done that a lot in our lives, haven't we? Jeremiah 15.16 says this, When your words come, I ate them. They were my joy and my heart's delight. And Psalm 71, 23 says, My lips will shout for joy when I sing praises to you, I whom you have delivered. Amen. That's a good verse right there. James 1, 2, this is a good one for all of us to remember, especially when we face trials of many kinds. It says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials or tribulation. Joy is one of the the biggest, smallest three-letter words in the Bible. And I believe a great synonym for joy would really be the word hope. I think you can put those two side by side, interchange them from one to the other. And I also believe that that biblical joy is, is something that comes from inside of you and from emotional experiences that you have around you. And I also believe that true joy is a gift from God. Because, see, the Holy Spirit that's given to us upon our salvation, that that fruit of the Spirit, one of them is joy. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. And that one being joy is the one we're talking about tonight. And then those who are true Christians, our cup should be running over, right, with joy. So much so that we're drinking from the saucer, right, Brother Harold? Let your cup overflow with joy, so much so that you're drinking from the saucer. Well, let's look back at verse 16, or chapter 16, verse 20, because I really want to point something out here tonight. And it says, Truly, truly, I say to you, you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. You will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn into joy. Now, I don't know how far off the morning was, but it couldn't have been too far off. But somewhere between the upper room and the Garden of Gethsemane, the disciples and Jesus were having this conversation. Now, it wasn't too long that Jesus would be uh, put on that cross at 9 a.m. that next morning. He would would be hanging there for the sins of the world. He'd be tried and crucified for our sins. And this is what will bring that weeping that he's talking about here in this this short verse that we read. And and then what the world would do after that, they would rejoice because they feel like they have done away with Jesus. They wanted to put Jesus to the side because this thing that was starting to come and bloom around him was getting way bigger than they wanted to see. He had too many followers, too many disciples. But, but here we have just the 11 disciples and Jesus, and they're walking towards the cross that day. And Jesus says, you're going to be sorrowful, and you're going to lament, but the world, they're going to be rejoicing around you. 
And then Jesus let the disciples know that this weeping will not last long. And their sorrow would turn into joy. And it's just almost be an impossible situation to even think about when your Savior and your Master and your Teacher is getting ready to go to the cross. And he's been telling you this for days, that he must be high and lifted up. But Jesus gives us a great illustration in verse 21. Let's look at that. And when a woman gives birth, she has sorrow because her hour has come. But when she has delivered the baby, she no longer remembers the anguish. Now, women, is that true? Because of the joy of the life that has just been brought into the world. (laughs) Unless you're less, I guess. I don't know. She wasn't very happy about it. I don't know. But it's true here. Jesus said it, so it's got to be true, right? For the joy that a human being has been born into this world. I think there's another scripture that says we should mourn over the birth of a child because they've been born into this world too. And that's because they've been born into the sin of this world. But, you know, Jesus did not say that the mother's sorrow would be pain, was going to be replaced by joy, but that the sorrow was transformed. It was transformed into joy. That pain and that agony and that that sorrow she was feeling immediately turned and was transformed into joy. That same baby that caused the pain also caused the joy. And so it is in the Christian's life. God takes the seemingly impossible situation and he adds the miracle of grace upon it. And then he transforms a trial into triumph. Amen. He transforms your trials into triumph. He transforms the sorrow into joy. The Lord thy God has turned the cursing into blessing. This is what it talks about in, in Deuteronomy. And you can go to Deuteronomy 23 and read that story about, about what's going on there. But he said, just like the curse that they was going to put on you, that's no longer going to happen. I'm going to take that and I'm going to give you a blessing because of it. So God takes these Seemingly impossible situations that we are in every day of our life. There, you know, I heard somebody say uh, this morning, it says each and every one of us is probably going through some kind of nightmare each and every day. And that's really true because some of us are fighting addiction. Some of us are fighting, fighting other things like illnesses and cancers and, and diseases. And so we're all going through some kind of trial. We're all going through some kind of sorrow. But God, I, I tell you, with these grace, as he says in the beginning of John, grace upon grace, he's going to put on the situation. And he's going to give you triumph over your trials. And he's going to give you joy over your sorrows. Amen. And I think we need to go take a couple of steps back, and we need to look back up there at verse 16 where it says, a little while. What did Jesus really mean about this little while? Now, possibly, possibly he was talking about the sooner to occur than the later to occur. The sooner event to occur is, well, you're not going to see me for a little bit, and then in a little bit you're going to see me. What is he referring to there, possibly? would be the resurrection. He dies on the cross, he's buried in the tomb, and then three days later, he's resurrected, thereby making their sorrow turn to joy. After his burial, they wouldn't see him for a little while. But then, he would raise from the dead. 
and they would see him again. And he told them previous, on previous occasion after occasion that he would raise from the dead after three days. Destroy this temple in three days, I'm going to build it back up. That's one of the, the occasions that Jesus told the Pharisees those words, but his words did not sink into their minds and their hearts yet. However, I really think that Jesus was speaking primarily about his, his return to the Father, and that, that one day he says, because I go to the Father, remember we've studied this just, to, just last week, John 16, 16 says, because I go to the Father, and then John 16, 10 also says, because I go to my Father, you will see me no more. The disciples... They didn't get a chance to live to see Christ return. They didn't get that chance to live to see Christ return. But they did die, and they seen him in glory. Amen? There's a promise in that. As soon as they arrived in glory, they got to see Jesus. The disciples did not live to receive the return of Christ, but they died to see him in glory. And the, wor- and, the, and the world will tell you that there is no good way to die, but I'm here to tell you tonight, there is a good way to die. There is a good way to die. Because the Bible tells us that to die is gain. To die is gain. Why else would, why else would this holy scripture lie to us? And tell us something different. Eternity is too long to be wrong, right? Eternity is too long to be wrong. And what I mean by that is if you don't have the joy that's inside, that should be inside of you, only the joy that comes from the Father, because it is the joy that will keep you from having the sorrows of this world when death does come in this life. In comparison to eternity, the time that the church has been waiting This little while, the Lord's return really has been but just a little while. You know, we were talking earlier tonight about how how time flies. It's already January 31st. Can you all believe that? Time really does fly. You know, and one day the Lord's going to come back pretty soon. 2 Corinthians 2, 18 through uh, 16 through 18 tells us this. So we don't lose heart. So we don't lose heart. Through our outer, although our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. Some of us don't feel like that, do we? Maybe it's because you don't have that true joy in your heart tonight, knowing that, that day by day you're being renewed, transformed to be in a better place one of these days. For this light, momentarily, for this, for this light, momentarily, affliction is preparing you, us for an eternity, weight of glory beyond all compare. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are transcendent, but not to the things that are unseen, they are eternal. Amen? So we don't lose heart. So we don't lose faith. So we don't lose that joy that is within us. In fact, the phrase, a little while, is used in this very sense in Hebrews 10, 37. It says, yet for a little while, and then he shall come. And will come. And he will not tarry. Some of us really believe that he's tarrying. There again, where is the joy in your heart? That's comforting your heart saying it's, it's all 
all right. It's all going to be okay. So we don't lose heart. That's what the scripture previous told us. Jesus uh, tells the disciples and us, I will see you again, and your hearts will rejoice, and no one will take your joy from you. And this is good news right here. This is the best news that you could possibly hear today in this place. And more encouraging than that, Jesus tells us, in that day you will ask nothing of me. You will ask nothing of me. Here's the great thing about this this verse right here. It, it, you look at verse 23. In that day you will ask nothing of me. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give you. That's the here and now. He's telling, the, he's telling the disciples, he's telling us that there's going to be a day that I'm leaving, and it's going to be a while, and I'll be back. But during this time, you're going to be able to go ask the Father. You can ask him anything in my name, and I'm going to give it to you. If it's in the will of God, you're going to get it. But he says, in that day, you will ask him nothing. What day is he talking about? He's talking about eternity. He's talking about heaven. One of these days when we're Jesus, we ain't going to have to pray to God no more. Amen. We're going to be able to, we're going to be able, we're going to be able to just to be praising and worshiping our Lord and Savior for everything that he's done for us. We won't have to offer up prayers to God. We will be dwelling. We will be tabernacling with God. We'll be there with him. That your joy may be full Boy, I tell you what, this is some good stuff tonight. And more, yeah, you know, I talk, don't have to pray at all. God's going to provide everything we need. He's going to provide the light. He's going to provide the food. He's going to provide it all. And if you don't think that we're going to eat in heaven, then you need to look up and read about the wedding feast. It says a feast. I'm glad we're going to be eating. But what if you don't have joy? In your hearts tonight. What if you don't know this peace that passes all understanding? I can tell you that it can be yours tonight. It can be yours. You can have the joy in your heart tonight. Before you leave this place tonight, it can all be yours. And it's all because God has made a way for us. And his name is Jesus. I want to just expound just a little bit more on this word joy. If you would, just flip over to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, verse 10. This is the start of the good news right here. I'll tell you what. And it says, And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of what? Great joy that will be for all people. Well, that all people, that's you and me, right? Amen for that. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. The good news of great joy for all people. Jesus was born into this world to be Savior of the world. You know, when you come to that verse, John three sixteen, For God so loved the world, He's making a way that He gave His only begotten Son. His Son was Jesus, that whosoever believed in Him would not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn it, but through, the, through him that the world might be saved. 
He sent Jesus to save us, and all we have to do is do what the Scripture says, is believe in who Jesus is. The disciples themselves were witnesses to these things. You know, I don't know if you've ever had to work a car accident or not. Most of you probably haven't had to do that, or a boat accident. I've worked many of them. But I tell you, when you go out there on scene and you start taking witnesses' statements, you say, well, what did you see? Well, I seen this car run into that car. Okay? Did, what, what happened before that? What's, what was the cars doing? And you start getting this idea of what happened. And you start getting to put together all the pieces of what happened at the scene because of the eyewitnesses are sitting there telling you, well, the disciples are our eyewitnesses. They got to be with Jesus. They got to live with Jesus. They themselves witnessed these things. They seen his work. They seen his death. They seen his resurrection. They seen his resurrected body. And they seen him be taken up into heaven. And we've got an eyewitness account of what happened. Peter spoke these words at Pentecost. This Jesus delivered up according to uh, this this definite plan, the foreknowledge of, of God, you crucified him and killed him by the hands of lawless men. And then God raised him up and loosened the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. But even better than that, the guy that we're studying right now, old John, he gives us a great account. He's given us this great account. He walked side by side by Jesus, and he was the only disciple that was at the foot of the cross when Jesus died. So he physically seen his Savior die. He was there at the grave when they discovered that his body wasn't there. And he was there in the upper room when Jesus come miraculously through that locked door somehow and appeared in front of him. He says this in John, 1 John 1, 1 through 4, that which was from the beginning. It's talking about Jesus, which we have heard, which we have seen with our own eyes, which we looked upon and we have touched with our own hands concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest and we have seen it and we testify to it and we proclaim to you eternal life. You get that? The witnesses are proclaiming to us that we can have eternal life which was with the Father and which was made manifest to us, that which we have seen and we have heard and we proclaim also to you. It's being proclaimed to us today so that you too may have fellowship with him and us. You hear that? You're going to get to fellowship with the disciples one of these days if you believe in Jesus. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son. Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that your joy may be complete. Not only full, but complete. That means you have everything that you need. Everything that you need will be completed in your belief in Jesus Christ. Amen that joy that we can have. And, you know, that's why I'm here sharing the gospel tonight. It is my joy, too. It's, that's part of my joy. It's also completed by me getting to share the word of God. And this is what Paul meant in 1 Thessalonians 2, 19 and 20. He says this, For what is our hope or joy or 
crown of boasting before our Lord at his coming. Is it not you? Is it not you? For you are our glory and our joy. Every time that you get to go out and you get to share the gospel, that is part of your glory and joy one of these days in heaven. When you get to see those. You know, I, that's, I think that might be the coolest thing that will ever happen in heaven. Is that when you walk into heaven's gates, because you believed in Jesus Christ, Jesus comes up to you. And I said, he's, he's going to come up to you and he's going to put his arm around you. He's going to say, I want to show you something. You see, these, you see this group of people over here? They're all here because of you. Isn't that going to be amazing? That's going to be our glory and our joy. It's going to be our crown. And it should be our hope. And it should be our joy today that we share this gospel message. But here tonight, I'm going to tell you, joy seems to come greatest when something lost is found. If you look at Luke chapter 15, Luke chapter 15. There's three stories that Jesus tells out of this out of this scripture right here. And you couldn't get any better one. There's the, the parable of the lost sheep and then the parable of the lost coin. And then it's the parable of the prodigal son. And most of you know these stories, but I'm going to talk about this first one first and foremost. It says, what a man of you having a hundred sheep, if he just loses one of them, if he just lost one of them, does not leave the 99 and then go after that lost sheep in the open country and go after that one until he finds it. And then when he has found it, he lays it upon his shoulder and he carries it back. And he says to all those at home, come and let's rejoice together. For I have found my sheep that was lost. And then Jesus gives us this great piece of information. And this should bless your heart tonight. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who needs, who needs no repentance. I wish there was 100 of us here tonight. There's not quite because there could be at least one person in here who needs Jesus in their life. And the joy that is expressed in heaven because one person comes to know Jesus. And, and we're, getting ready to, we're getting ready to baptize a boy tonight who's professing his faith tonight. He's making a public profession of faith saying, hey, I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. You can look at the last verse of the parable of the lost coin, verse 10, that says, Just so I tell you, there is more joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. One sinner who repents. And then the prodigal son. I don't need to tell you the whole story of the prodigal son. How he went off to that far city, that far city, that far country. That, that's, that's a land of sin. And I tell you what, I lived in a land of sin my part of my life. But I'm glad that I had a, a God. And this part of my testimony that I was prodigal. I went away from what I knew was right. And when God called me back, I just had to take one step towards him. Just one. Just one step. And he come running to me. 
He was the shepherd who had lost that sheep. And I was out there in that world. And he came and he sought after me because I was precious to him. And I'm telling you tonight that God thinks that you are precious to him. No matter what you think, no matter how bad you think you've been, no matter how evil you think you are, no matter what you've done in your life, God can and will forgive you. All you have to do is ask him. It's so simple. It's a simple message. If all I've got to do is, is believe that he is God, admit that I'm a sinner and I confess my sins to him, and he says that I, he's faithful and just to forgive you of everything that you've ever done, you can start a new relationship with Christ tonight. You can start a new life with Christ tonight. You can put the old life behind you and look forward to an eternity in heaven, and your heart and your soul can be overflowing with joy, so much so that you have to drink from the saucer. As our instruments, Pigeon, Harold, and Bob come to play tonight, every head bowed, every eye closed. If tonight you're the, you're the lost sheep, if tonight you're, you know, we didn't read the parable of the lost coin, but if you're that lost coin that, that needs to be found, if you're that, that prodigal son or that prodigal daughter that has gotten so far away from the Lord, all you need to do tonight is take that one step back and your Lord and Savior is going to come running for you. We can show you tonight through Scripture how you can give your life to Christ, how you can see that Jesus is the way. I've, I've laid out the gospel message as clean, as, 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 as easy as I could tonight so that, that you might hear that message and that you might realize that I'm that lost sheep. I'm that prodigal son or I'm that prodigal daughter, and I need to make that step back towards God, give my life to Him so that one day my joy will be complete. It will only be complete in heaven. Eternity is too long to be wrong, folks. I'm telling you tonight, if you think you're saved and your cup's not overflowing with joy, then there's a problem with your salvation. And you need to realize that God gives you that spirit and that heart of joy when you become a Christian. And I'm telling you tonight, your cup can be full, overflowing, because eternity is too long to be wrong. Because eternity, one day, for each and every one of us, is going to end one way or the other. It's going to end in a place called heaven, or it's going to end in a place called hell. And if tonight, if you want to escape hell and make heaven, you need to give your life to Christ. Father God, I pray tonight in this invitation that you'll move, Father. If there's one lost soul here tonight that needs to, to come to Jesus, that they'll come to Jesus so that their, their joy may be full, that their joy may be complete in you, Father. We just pray that tonight in Jesus' name. Come, if you need to come and give your life to Christ.